Welcome to the Millennial Talent League podcast. This podcast is a platform to provide career coaching and to discuss the current issues facing Black and Latino millennial professionals. We hope to provide a safe space for expression and solutions to these challenges in order to support the personal and professional development of millennials of color. Millennial Talent League is a place where we create equity by informing young professionals of color on how to become more competitive in the job market. We empower millennials to transform their dreams into a sustainable and profitable reality. I'm your host, Tiffany Talent Pool, joined by Garrett Richardson, co-founder of Millennial Talent League. Peace, peace. How's everybody doing? Good. How are you doing today? I'm fabulous. Yeah? Yes. I'm off. I got a week. Well, I'm not off, but today was the first day of a, of a five-day work week, work-at-home week. So Nice. You know, that's a blessing. You know, I love my kids. I love going to my school, but, uh, you know, being able to stay home and work from home. It's a beautiful blessing. So the little things matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really jealous. It is a hectic recruitment season right now. Yeah. And so I am I call it I call it like heads down work. But like I am reviewing resumes on the phone in meetings all day long. Working and it's, hard. It's, yeah, working hard, you know. And so um, one of the good things about being a recruiter is that I get paid to talk to people. Um, Real good at that. So by the time I get home, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are excited to be here with you uh, this week. This is our official first um, podcast in our first session. We did an introduction session, but this is the first session we're actually talking about um, a topic that is going to support you guys in your uh, professional and personal development. Um, and so before we dive into our topic for uh, today, which is going to be promotion in the workplace, how you can get your check, your title, and keep your dignity, dignity. Um, we're going to go uh, start off by talking about our favorite Black Millennial Moment, BB, I'm sorry, BMM. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, okay, so I have the opportunity to present my moment this week, and I am super excited to, to really uh, tell you guys about Jamal Green out in Chicago. Um, and so he called out, so he was asked to, to speak about uh, what was going on in Chicago by Chris Hayes. And so, you know, when reporters call folks out, they think they're going to say, you know, I'm really upset. I'm really happy. But this brother had um, prepared his notes. Um, he had done his homework and he was preparing to give everyone a read. And so he talked about Ram Emanuel um, and the work or the lack of work he was doing in the city of Chicago and how it's impacted Chicago's community. And everyone wants to keep turning to Chicago and and speaking about the violence, but no one wants to talk about how do we get there? Like, what are what are some of the the causes that's leading to this this outcome? And so he really took it there. Um, and I really appreciate him stepping to the mic um, and coming with um, the facts, the receipts, and some of the solutions. And so I'm going to play this clip for you all, so you can hear um, why this is my favorite Black Millennial moment right now. You could put 100,000 police officers on the street that will not reduce violence in the city of Chicago because police are only there to react. 
They're only there to react. You have to put money into prevention. And right now, a lot nobody has really said it, but his name is Rahm Emanuel. And this mayor that we have in the city of Chicago does not care about black people. And I'm going to put that on the record. When you can invest $100 million into DePaul Basketball Arena when they can practice at the United Center for free, and $16.4 million into Uptown to build upscale apartments, when you can build these new bus stops we got now downtown, but walk in our neighborhoods and not a million is coming. When you, we walking past boarded up schools, boarded up houses, they knock it down with red X's with no plan to redevelop, mental health facilities shut down, the job, uh, the unemployment rate is the highest in Chicago than it is around the country. We just want to talk about violence. You got to talk about the economics, not police. There you have it, folks. If you want to talk about violence, you need to talk about the economics. I mean, he called out he called Facts. out the mayor of Chicago and, and, and really, you know, you can see where a country is, a city, a state priority is based on how they spend their money. Um, and so what what he's saying is that the talk, I don't care what this mayor is saying in his speeches, is not matching up to what his actions are. And so let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves, Trump, in sending in uh, more police and making this a more policed state when not really focusing on why does this uh, problem exist in the first place? Where are we putting our money? Are we putting our, our money into really supporting the development of the community? Are we putting our money into supporting the education of the students? Nobody wants to talk about that, but like we want to talk about the violence in Chicago. Don't talk about the violence in Chicago if you're not willing to talk about reallocating the money you're spending to help out the communities that you have disadvantaged um, through law, policies, um, housing discrimination. It's just not cool. And so I'm just here for like Jamal Green um, and him coming to the plate. Like, look, I, you know, Kanye West, he don't need to say it. I'll say it. I'll call out the people. Um, he does not care about black people. And this is why I know he doesn't. And here are the receipts. And just thinking about the fact that whenever we have the opportunity to speak out and to say um, the truth, then we should. Um, if we have uh, a platform, whether it is uh, being interviewed, whether it's within our schools and our jobs to speak the truth, you might have to be strategic about it. You might not just be able to give a read like Jamal, but I encourage you uh, to, to be brave like this young man and come with your receipts um, and some potential solutions. And so I, I, I live for him. Um, and that is my favorite black millennial moment right now. What do you think, G? Oh, man. I mean, when I heard um, brother... Jamal speak uh, to Chris Hayes of MSNBC, I was just, you know, I wasn't too shocked by all of the data that he shared as far as how we're using the dollars. Um, I think there's a key point, obviously, that's embedded in his message. But right before we hear what he says, the last word you hear him say, I think it's something like react. And he was talking about he was talking directly to the the fairly new, I guess, Chicago Police Department chief or commissioner, whatever their title is. And, you know, this idea that if we put more police officers uh, in the inner cities, that's somehow going to stymie uh, the violence that we see. And that's just going to be the most asinine uh, response to a systemic issue that, like you said, is rooted. That goes way, way back, uh, way before we even had these problems. Um, you're talking about the great migration of folks from the South to Chicago and then them not being able to uh, get loans, therefore not being able to move into certain housing and therefore being able to afford their children a certain kind of livelihood and upbringing. Um, the reaction 
uh, police are, he said, he said something to the effect that police are there to react and not there to prevent. And so if we really want to prevent violence, um, and prevent urban decay, then we have to invest our, not just our minds, but our bodies and our dollars into programming and services that are going to provide evidence-based interventions. Right. And so, um, you know, people, if people already have a distrust or a dislike or a disdain for police, then, and you know this, you know this based on the historical reference points that we have. Um, we could talk about Laquan McDonald. We could talk about a few names out of Chicago. Um, you know, the, the Honorable Fred Hampton and what they did to him and his family going back to the Black Panthers in the 60s. Um, there's this trust, this lack of trust, I'm sorry, has existed for a long time. So why this just the idea that you're just going to force feed people with more law and order uh, in order to mitigate the problems that they're experiencing, it's just going to create more tension and probably more violence and more more than likely more, you know, unjustified killings of black and brown people by the hands of armed policemen and police women. So we got to think smarter uh, uh, and not harder here, you know. And um, so Brother Jamal, uh, I appreciate him. I hope he gets more microphones to speak up and to speak out against. He needs a traveling microphone. Absolutely. Just walk around with a microphone and just, just start speaking out. And you know what's also really important? You know, the importance of being involved in your local politics. I mm-hmm. mean, Chicago's a big city. Um, but nevertheless, Rahm Emanuel has been in position as the mayor for as long as I could remember, at least for the last four to six years, I guess you could say, you got to get people involved. So hopefully a brother like Jamal, uh, who comes from that community, uh, who's invested obviously in his people and his city, uh, can get the support of his community or can inspire another young person or older person uh, to run for political office, to run for local city council, to right. run for on their educational boards, so that the this information could be shared with more and more people. Um, I'm sure that's some information that he had to make himself available to or research. And um, so more people need to hear it. They probably It's probably not all out there in the open. Those receipts mm-hmm. probably as easy to get to as it may sound like. So we need more of our people involved in these uh, local, local uh, politics. And everybody, uh, young and old, who is saying no more, no more. Wasn't it just recently that, like, the new uh, Secretary of Education... Uh, Betsy DeVry, <laughs> Betsy DeVos, didn't didn't she try to go to like a Chicago public school and they pushed her back? She, they, I think no, that, it wasn't that Chicago. Chicago. It was DC. That was DC. Um, but you know we're sisters and and basically DC Chicago. It's all the same, right? So m- much love to people just saying to hell with that. You said these next four years are clapback season, so right? Correct. Yep. 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 So I, you know it makes me so uncomfortable when my um really my white colleagues at work add me on Facebook because I'm always like, man, they don't know what they're about. To, they're about to enter the matrix, man. They don't need, like, they don't really know how black I am. You know, like I'm black at work, but I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm black, but I'm real black on my social media networks. Like, so it makes me nervous because I, you know, clapback season is here for four years and um, I don't plan on being politically correct. Um, and an example of that was for me was, uh, and I guess this is a perfect segment to what's got you hot, but um, an example for me was when I like posted a Facebook status and I said, dear white people, 
get your people. And I was referring to all of the white folks to get their people who they know who voted for Trump, um, their family members, their friends, because I don't know people, unfortunately. I say unfortunately because I would like to know people personally who, who voted true. for Trump so I could sit at the table and have those conversations, conversations with them. Are important. And so, um, you know, I remember the kind of like outrage that like some of my white friends, um, you know, they kind of they, they tried to clap back, but I had a harder clap back. And so I let them know, like, it, you know, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you're a bad person. What I'm saying is, is that if you have access to people who who have voted for um, Trump, right, it's a, it's a privilege, right? It's a privilege to have access to these folks and to have the tough conversations and to not avoid them because you're at Thanksgiving dinner and you don't want no problems. Because you can't come back to me and tell me you're my friend and you're my ally and you support me um, and then you don't use the a little bit of influence you have within your personal circles to have those conversations. I'm not saying disown your family. I'm saying have a loving conversation because I think hearts and minds change at the dinner table. I don't think they change just because someone makes a policy saying, you know, uh, slavery is wrong. We don't want slaves. We see how that happened, right? Clearly people didn't agree. Right. And I, I told Garrett this before and we're, we're digressing, but I told Garrett this before, like, I don't think everybody, who, uh, you know, during slavery time agree with slavery. Right. And I don't think that everybody who disagreed was an abolitionist. And so what that means is that there were probably folks who had friends who, you know, were slave owners who sat at the table with them and did not agree what they were doing, but they chose to mind their business. Now imagine if everyone chose not to mind their business when things are not right. Right. We could have eliminated maybe a hundred, 200 years of of slavery. Maybe when they would have brought, the slaves back and and saw and someone would have saw these people in change they would have said why do you have people in change i don't agree with this you need to stop this we won't allow this and so you have power um to all our white listeners you have power it's called privilege um and we're asking for you to have the difficult conversations, learn about why your family feels the way they feel that the reason that they would have voted for Trump and encourage them to see other perspectives. If you can, that's it. Um, and so that was a, a part of, you know, uh, some of the, the clapback seasons uh, season that is happening on my Facebook uh, and social media. And so I'm always, again, scared when people befriend me because a lot of folks do it um, and they have no idea. Right. But what's got you hot? What's got us hot? Um, Speaking of Facebook, so you actually showed me a recent Facebook post, I guess, from a gentleman that you went to high school with. And just just to give folks, I guess, what's the word, the pre the preface, um, we are politically minded. Um, This is a podcast about career advancement, uh, career coaching and professional development both personally and collectively, but um, we would be remiss if we didn't share with you, you know, some of our political, I guess you could say, views on certain issues, because at the end of the day, uh, we recognize as two black millennials that um, we're not, we're not just combating, we're not the only group that's combating injustice, right? That's dealing with like systemic discrimination or history of racial politics that encompasses a lot of different people, right? The intersection between race, religion, politics, uh, social status, uh, sexual preference, sexuality, all that kind of stuff matters. And so um, you brought it to my attention that this guy from high school had, for, for whatever reason, 
I'm going to pause you. Facebook has a way of letting you know about people oh, yeah. who you had no idea about expose. because people just expose themselves. They do. They do. And so I don't, he's not a friend of mine. Right. Someone you went to high school yes. with. That's why I said a guy you went to high school with. So this gentleman um, posted a picture of, it was two black men and I'm assuming their son, right? So this was a couple, it was a gay black couple uh, and their son. And he posted it pretty much saying that, he was disgusted by the image and that it almost, and I believe I quote him by saying it almost made him want to deactivate yep, his Facebook that was account, exactly right? What he said. And then you go on, I'm, I'm big for the trolls and I'm big to read comments because I get a kick out of like people's uh, asinine comments and the way they view things. And so, you know, you're reading the comments and his picture and you see primarily, I think, and I want to assume, right, heterosexual black men uh, supporting his his viewpoints um, that say that this quote unquote, it's not natural um, for two men to be together. And I'm assuming that means it's not natural for them to be uh, a father, uh, fathers to a, to a son or to a daughter. Um, so for me, it just made me realize like clapback season is not just reserved for like white conservative, uh, right. Very true. Uh, men and or women. Right. You can catch these hands. <laughs> like, I don't care if you come All from the gutter. Uh, I don't care if you come from, you know, the the most prestigious upper class institutions. Uh, you can definitely get it. So, like, to all of the brothers out there who identify as heterosexual straight, um, for the ones in particular who have a problem with homosexuality or anyone who identifies with the LGBTQ or cis uh, gender community, um, you just need to take a fucking seat and stop playing yourselves. It's 2017. Um, this idea that, you know, we as black men can uh, codify and determine what is and is not worthy of our support is just foolish. Um, without the support of gay black men, without the support of transgender black men and women, without the support of black women, um, without the support of all of these folks who still identify as black, they just may not identify the way we see it, um, to act as if their struggle is not equal to ours and therefore we should shun uh, a light or shun a negative light on how they choose to live their lives is just foolish to me. We, we cannot fight this good fight and shit on another person's fight. And the same struggle that that man or those men had to deal with is going to be passed on to his son, regardless of how he chooses to live his life as an adult. And now you are essentially cutting that young boy off at the knees because you're telling him indirectly and directly that, you know, who his parents are, who he identifies as his father. There's something naturally and morally wrong with how they chose to live their lives i just think we need to mind our damn business if you do not agree with how someone chooses to live their life that's fine but like please we don't need you to express it publicly we just don't need that hatred to be spewed. it doesn't it's not matter that deep. like honestly it's, it you know how many problems we wouldn't it's have in the many. u.s today if people just learned <laughs> to mind they got <laughs> damn, damn business. business it's just it's real simple right yeah. like women's rights like why are you all up in my my like my body my like body. mind your business like why is it that folks like i mean 
I just don't get it. And I mean, I seen this picture and I like, and I like commented on it. And then I like, I troll in the opposite way where I go after people who write comment, like stupid things and I write them back. Um, and so I just like was, it, it made me so upset because the black community, we will be pissed. We're pissed about Trump. We're up in arms. And then we can turn our backs on like a whole segment of our population right right? it's just like and to to deny them of like like their struggle and to say like oh we don't you're not included if you identify as x y and z and i just think it's just so low and i just think that as a community we're better than that and it's sad like this is a fairly young man he has to be like 29 30 years old and so it's just like I, i on that on that list there were also folks who responded back who were like yo and they were some of them were men who responded back and was like yo you mind your business worry about your kids like take care of yourself like no i don't see nothing wrong with it you know and i appreciated seeing the black men um and black women who who spoke up for them as well um because it's just like it it is it is sad because i also thought about the fact that this man who made that comment has children right and so you know that he's going to be teaching his children that's taught. not right right Passed like down. this is not right this is unnatural because the minute you he says that he doesn't hate like uh gay folks but then like you're calling their lives unnatural and so once you start calling something or someone unnatural, that allows for people to come in and mistreat them. Because if I say to you that this is like white and black couples are unnatural, let's now discriminate against interracial couples because that is not natural, right? Like, it's just like, don't, you're othering them and it's just not okay. Um, and it's got me hot too. And I, and I try, I'm trying to, one thing is that he did delete the status. And so I don't know if he right. deleted it because the pressure you know was on, did. it was hot. He was embarrassed. He, was embarrassed. <laughs> he had to be embarrassed. But you, you know what? That also, just the last point before we move into the meat of today's episode, you know, Black people, we have privilege as well when it comes mm-hmm. to these spaces, right? This is someone who, who um, you went to the same high school with, and you had to make a decision, right? Are you going to use your privilege, the li- limited privilege that you have, this access to him, to say something, or are you just going to let it go uh, unchecked, uh, unclapped backed? And you decided to clap back in the affirmative, as you rightly should, and you and other individuals probably cowered him into removing the post, and that's yeah. just one less, you know, idiot out there with uh, negative world viewpoints on how people should live their lives without minding his his goddamn business. Uh, and he's probably going to think twice before he says anything. Right. You know? I think that's the I don't know if he changed his mind, but right. I know the, the clap back that he received and made him probably say, maybe I am sitting on the wrong side of this. Right. Um, and even if someone's just second guessing themselves, I think that is a step in the, in the right direction. Um, you know, and God bless him, right? Like I don't wish anything bad for him. I just think that sometimes people end up on the wrong side of the fence and they might need help getting back on the right side. It's just a blessing that that young man has two fathers, you know, like Amen everyone doesn't, I work with a lot of high school boys and a lot of them do not have a father living in the home. And so just the fact that he has two fathers, now he has two male images of fatherhood 
And that doesn't mean that they can't teach him what it means to be a man um, and do it in a compassionate way. What does way. masculinity what does mean? What does masculinity look right? like? Now that's going to, def- you know, reframe that whole paradigm for the young man. So we don't know what it is going to become of him, but, you know, we should uplift. Anytime we see men of color, you know, in positions of fatherhood and mentorship, we should uplift regardless of how we feel of their personal choices. So, um, you know, that that's what got us hot. But, you know, Ultimately, you know, we continue to clap back. You can continue to get called out if you feel this way. And if you do feel this way and you're listening, you know, you may not want to continue to listen. But, I mean, this is just how we personally feel. It may not be the right podcast podcast for for you. you. It's fine. And we don't hate you either. You know? But but, this is not a space for you, unfortunately, if you're not open to hearing these kinds of, um, this kind of conversation. Keeping it really real, y'all. So, you want to talk about promotions in the workplace now. So Shift. why are we here? That wasn't a smooth transition. <laughs> <laughs> but we are here Work to talk us, about uh, promotions in the workplace. Yes. Uh, Be careful what you post on Facebook. <laughs> My Be careful who you add on Facebook. I have a sitting list of folks that I just don't trust right now. Um, <laughs> but I like them. So we're talking about promotions in the workplace. Why? Well, one. Most black professionals, and this could apply also to um, Latino professionals as well, whether we're teachers, whether we're doctors, lawyers, journalists, and so on. Like once we enter into the workplace, sometimes we more than likely we're entering into the workplace where we are the racial uh, minority. Um, And that's going to come with challenges depending on how woke the people you work with are. And so let's let me give you some example of some challenges you might face you might experience seeing your friends being overlooked for promotions um that of course is going to put a sour taste in your mouth why because you're seeing the folks that you care about or the folks you might have relationships with not getting promoted you might experience being overlooked and so there may be some stereotypes associated with uh blacks or latinos in the workplace and then you experience yourself being overlooked and you have no idea why this is happening the reality is is that biases exist um and just because we get through the door does not mean our work is always valued or always thought of high as high quality and this can influence like how we're how our work is evaluated um and then like the tools that we have to get promoted and so one of the rules of thumb if you're from a black household you probably heard this is that we have to be twice as good uh to get half which um for some of us is very true meaning like we have to do we have to be better than our white counterparts just to get half of what they can get from being you know themselves uh and so that's a part of the reason why we're focusing on promotion in the workplace because we want to give you guys the tools so that you can go ahead and get promoted get your check get your title update your linkedin profile um but before that of course we love statistics and so g is going to walk you through the stats related to black success uh in america thank you tiffany so Real quickly to go over some statistics, we're talking here about economic mobility. I mean, because that's what it is all about. Um, this country is extremely, extremely difficult. If you're born into poverty, you pull yourself up out of 
poverty uh poverty income level and move yourself in the middle class uh, or even working class um and especially if you're born into poverty and you're a person of color a black american latino american etc cetera, etc cetera. so when we're talking about this mobility uh economically we're referring to an individual or individual's ability uh to move his or her self and or family uh up a rung uh in the economic ladder and economic stratus so amongst all races um, economic mobility is particularly of uh, keen and distinct concern to African Americans. Uh, we as African Americans experience significantly less upward economic mobility in comparison to our white brothers and sisters. For those of us who are born into that bottom half of the income distribution ladder um, and are fortunate enough to exceed and to experience actual economic mobility, um, only about 35% of us make an actual move that is actually going to move us from poverty into whether it be working class or middle income uh, wealth, right? As compared to 50% for comparable white peers, right? So in other words, even when we are moving up, when we're born into these difficult situations, um, only a small percentage of us are actually moving from one level up towards another. So the mobility is extremely stagnant uh, for blacks that are born into abject poverty in this country as composed to whites. And so you got to ask yourself, where do those advantages come from? And more importantly, how can we overcome uh, the disadvantages that we that are set upon us from the moment we are brought into this world? It's kind of crazy. But we want to focus on the kind of, I guess we have the kind of like the so what now would appeal. We're saying so what not in the sense that like let's completely dismiss the history uh, of discrimination, the three to 400 years of racial discrimination that blacks have had to endure while in this country. But nevertheless, uh, this is the situation. You know, Trump is still president. We still have to wake up. We still got to go to work. We still got to take care of our business. So what can we do now that we have all of this information available to us? And that's what Tiff's going to talk about. So let's dig into the meat and potato of the podcast, how to get promoted in the workplace. We have nine points that we're going to discuss with you so that you can really have an understanding of like what are the steps you need to take so that you can get uh, the promotion that uh, you've earned. So Point number one, evaluate your company's current standings. So the reason this is one of the number one points for us uh, when you're considering promotion is you have to know what's going on with the business. And so if your business or your company has been on the decline um, and has been letting folks go, um, or if you recognize that your company has not been uh, able to promote other people or the company is losing money, then you want to be you want to be considerate of what's going on with your company during the time that you're asking for a promotion. And so if the company is not doing well, you can consider uh, asking for a promotion, but you may actually want to be looking at another organization, especially if they are on the decline, because the likelihood is that they may not be able to give you the type of uh, promotion that you're looking for or the type of money that you're looking for when you're looking for a new job. So don't don't be foolish and uh, in, in not knowing what's going on with your organization before you're asking for a promotion. G, you want to take the number two point? Yeah, number two. Uh, reflect on your own performance. Uh, make a list of your accomplishments and areas you still need to grow in. 
I think this is very, very important. It's something I'm still learning to do and apply in my day to day. But even taking carving out even like five minutes at the beginning of your workday, you know, making your top three, top six things that you want to get done before you leave and then spending five minutes uh, at the end of your workday to go over that list um, and to ask yourself why why you weren't able to finish everything you put us put us put on top of your list today or what were the things that you're able to accomplish? How were you able to accomplish them? It's very, it's going to be very important moving forward, especially when you're looking for a promotion, whether it's internally or externally with another organization, you know, you're going to want to be able to report uh, clearly and concisely to future employers or to your current employer, why uh, you are valuable. What is the value that you bring to your position? So being able to uh, document those successes while also keeping in mind what you need to improve upon, uh, making that a daily practice is a huge, huge uh, added benefit uh, when it's time to talk uh, promotion. So, so some tools to do that, right? Like, how do you like how do you keep track of this? Do you have a journal? Yes, you can have a journal. You can write all of these things down. Um, some of the methods that I use is one: I have a folder um, at work in my email email folder, and so any email that I receive where someone's um, it sounds so like. Uh, braggadocious, but any email that I receive where somebody is giving me a compliment on my work, I will then move that that email into that folder. Um, why? Because I can easily look through these emails and see, oh, these are some of the strengths um, that people are saying, uh, things that people think I do well. And if it's a critical feedback of somebody saying, next time you need to do X, Y, and Z, I keep that there too. And so it's really a, a way for me to just have quick feedback in case I'm ever wondering what do my colleagues say about working with me? Another thing is if you work at a company where you have some type of mid-year review or end-of-the-year review, either take notes or keep that documentation because you can easily look back at that as well um, to give you uh, that uh, feedback from other folks. And so that's a, another way, including um, the ways that G already mentioned. Uh, number three on how to get promoted in the workplace, you got to communicate that you would like more responsibility. So uh, folks may assume that you like being the coordinator. Everybody is not a ladder climber. And so if you don't speak up um, and let folks know that, you know, like you're interested in taking on more work, then they might think that, you know what, like not that you're complacent, but that you're happy, that you're content. If I don't speak up and say, hey, I want this job, then next thing you know, that job might be on the job board and before you even get a chance to apply to it. So don't get mad if somebody is getting a job and you never spoke up to your manager or to um, any of your mentors at the organization and said, I would like to get promoted. I would like more responsibility. I would like more challenges. You have to communicate. People can't offer you uh, what what you don't ask for. Number four, G? Yeah, so you want to, in that communication, you also want to make sure that you're asking questions uh, to your immediate, your direct reports uh, in order for you to make sure you're understanding their actual expectations of you and your role. I always like to ask the question, does that make sense? And as simple as that may sound, just asking those clarifying questions, um, following up with like a communication uh, email outlining what was discussed and what next steps you're taking and what next steps he or she as your direct report is taking to move a project or a task forward, to have that kind of stuff documented is very important when you're talking about meeting uh, or making yourself uh, promotional material, right? So being able to speak clearly to um, 
expectations that are set in front of you by your direct reports and being able to reflect back to those expectations when they were met and describing the work that you were able to do and the process you went forward in order to meet set expectations are going to be crucial when it's time to negotiate uh, your promotion internally in the in your workplace. Yeah, so n- number five is uh, create a plan to meet those expectations. And so Garrett kind of just touched on it. First, you need to know the expectations before you can meet them. Um, number five is create that plan. What does that plan look like? So if you're a coordinator and you want to be a manager or you're a manager, you want to be a director, you have to first know uh, what the work is. And so like you may be responsible for more complicated projects as a manager or director. So how do you get exposed to those projects? Uh, so you have to ask, right? You have to talk to your manager and say to them, look, I'm looking to get on some more challenging projects so I can showcase my leadership skills. And so look for projects. If you know projects are coming up on your team that you would be interested in leading, ask for those projects to be an example of your ability to lead and to take on more work. Uh, some organizations call them stretch projects. So look for those opportunities where you can showcase uh, your skills. And be prepared, obviously come with a plan. And if and if they're not offering it, maybe you spending some time uh, after your working hours to create that plan, that proposition to show folks that you've been thinking about taking on more responsibility and you've been thinking critically because you provided a plan of action on how you're going to complete that said stretch project um, that's been given to you or that you want to take upon just shows to your direct reports to your sincerity and your hunger uh, for moving up in the workplace and also your commitment to doing the work uh, in an exceptional fashion. So, Part Step number six, being proactive with seeking your feedback. This goes back to relationship building and goes back to also point number one about understanding your organization's current status. You want to make sure that you're developing strong ties and strong relationships, not just with your direct report, but if you work in a multi-tiered or multi-layered organization with hundreds and upon thousands of employees, making sure that you're also connecting with other leaders within your office or within your organization so that you can learn from them, especially veterans of the organization, people who have been where you've been and have gotten themselves promoted, understanding what are the things that the powers that be, the people who make these decisions um, are looking for in your individual duties and responsibilities that you take upon yourself, understanding your personal areas of growth, not your weaknesses, but literally your personal areas for growth and improvement so that you could present yourself as a worthwhile and viable candidate for that new position with uh, a a better salary and even a longer title, I think is extremely important. You don't want to step to a direct report and say you deserve something and they don't trust you with, you know, setting a schedule or coordinating a meeting or providing an agenda or doing even the little meticulous little details that you think are going unnoticed, but the people who are making the decisions are looking for in someone that they want to hire for that next level position. So always ask questions and always be seeking feedback. Right. And feedback is not personal, right? So it, it is something that you should welcome. If you're looking for feedback, then that means you're looking to grow and develop. And people want people who are going to continue to grow and develop, even when they get the director or the managing director or the CEO job. They want folks who are going to keep asking themselves, what can I do better? How can I improve myself? And I think another point to add to uh, number six is, is that check in on check in monthly, right? So like 
Are you making progress? Your manager should not necessarily be the person making sure that you're checking in on your own, your your progress towards your goals. You need to come to them um, saying, you know, like, hey, I've, I've been working on this area. Do you have any feedback? Am I making progress? Um, and so remembering to like own your career. This is your career. And as much as we love uh, our managers to be everything and to be perfect folks, they're usually not. Number seven is no politics. And so... Um, we need to recognize that no matter where we're walking into, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's corporate, whether it's uh, the uh, business industry, whether it's the music industry, wherever you go, there is a politics involved. And so it is important to know the politics in your, your industry and your organization. You need to know who's the shot callers, who are the influencers, what is the right protocol, who should you talk to first, who should you not step on to? Who toes you should not step on? You need to be aware of the politics at play because the last thing you want to, to do is to not be woke and to insult someone that you should have not insulted. And next thing you know, this person is not no longer really supporting you um, and it becomes a hassle, right? So you need to understand the politics at play in your organization. Every organization has them. It's like an iceberg, right? You can see the tip of the iceberg. Some things are there, but the real politics are in the water. They're underneath. The big iceberg is underneath the water. And so you have to, you know, do some observing, who is, you know, who's speaking up, who's making decisions, who are the people who are not necessarily speaking up, but you know, who are influencers too. like, just be woke. See, look around before speaking out, be strategic, because you know that there are a lot of things going on at play that you don't have control over. And so you need to know, know who's who and know how to navigate that to get to your goals. So that leads us to point number eight, which is directly connected to point number seven. So in order for you to better navigate the, the political ecosystem that exists in your office space, it's important for you to have a mentor or a champion. And this could be someone who maybe is someone that you work directly next to. It's probably preferable for it to be a higher up in the organization. And if I could just give some immediate feedback, uh, consistent consistent outreach, uh, consistent requests for meetings, um, even with the, when it comes to people like C-suite executives, CEOs, CFOs, COOs, these are individuals obviously that probably have personal assistants. You might want to butter up to the personal assistant or to their secretary to get on their schedule because that is the individual that knows that individual's uh, executive schedule top and down, and they might be able to get you a 15, 20-minute coffee break or, or even a lunch sit-down with this individual. Um, developing those kind of relationships with not just your gatekeepers, i.e. your secretaries and PAs, but also leaders within your organization, people who can attest to your work uh, and to the quality of your work. Obviously, having internal champions and mentors is fantastic, but absolutely do not cut yourself off to external networks, industry experts, people who have proven themselves as leaders, as people who can get results and who are respected within the industry that you want to supplant yourself in, making those uh, cold calls, making those email requests, once again, identifying who their secretary or personal assistant is and reaching out to that individual directly and coming with a clear and concise message on how you want to use this person's time and what you hope to develop. And last thing I could add, try to offer something of yourself to this individual, right? People, it, this isn't just a take-take uh, a relationship. Make it a give-and-take relationship. A great book I read was from this guy uh, from the Wharton School of Business, 
um, Dr. Adam Grant, and he released this book, I think, two, three years ago called Give and Take. And he talks about the importance of being involved, even when it comes to networking, even if you're at the entry level, there's still something that you might be able to offer to a higher up, a C-suite executive or someone in the middle management. And just making the offer, uh, a genuine offer to support their work could speak volumes when it comes time to talk about promotions and uh, overcoming some of those obstacles that get in your way of moving up within your organization. Right, exactly. So uh, Garrett mentioned, like, what, what can you offer? If you're on the ground, you have something right there you can offer the CEO, right? The CEOs are too busy. They don't know usually what exactly is going on on the ground, right? Like exactly how do people on the ground who's doing uh, the work who are executing on their vision feel? They want to hear your perspective for them, usually if they're a great CEO, because they want to know how what the decisions they're making is impacting you and how it's being received by the people that they're servicing. So don't go to the table thinking you have nothing to offer. Make a list of the things you think you can offer this person um, and, and come with that. Um, and, and number nine is, I don't know if it's necessarily a tip, but uh, no promotion now what? Um, so we uh, don't want to pretend like you can you can't do all of these things and still not get promoted because that's just somehow how the world works out. So some of the things for you to consider is is this organization can they offer you something else that you want? Um, outside of a promotion. Do you want to, let's say, uh, work from home? Is that something that you want to do? Com telecommute? Will that add, you know, just for some, not necessarily professional development, but some extra time that you can have back to yourself so you can work on things that you want to work on as well um, outside of work? Something else, consider flexible projects, right? So are there, if they can't promote you, are there projects within your team and outside of your team that you would like to get on? Um, if that is the case, then you may not be able to get promoted this, you know, this moment, but you can get on some projects that will offer you the ability to do cool things that you're interested in doing. Another thing, consider an alternative uh, timeline for you to get promoted. So if they can't promote you right now at the beginning of the new fiscal year, ask if you can revisit this conversation in six months if you have completed X, Y, and Z. So give them some metrics or ask them for metrics that they need in order for you to get promoted and to revisit the conversation in the middle of the year. You don't have to, if you really want to work for this organization, you don't have to leave if you're not promoted, but you can help then shape um, what happens moving forward with the organization um, so that you can still get your needs met. Um, the point being is that you own your career um, and you you can take as, mon as many steps as we've provided. You can take advantage of these steps uh, to ensure that hopefully you can get promoted. If not, you still have the power and you can make decisions um, about the outcomes of, of your career. And so that is it for how to get promoted uh, in the workplace. So before we close, could we just read back over the nine steps for the for the listening public out there, just in case they missed one? Of course. So the first step is evaluate your company's current standings. Number two is reflect on your own performance. Make a list of accomplishments and areas you need to grow in. Document that. Number three is communicate that you would like more responsibility. Number four, ask questions to ensure you understand your manager's expectations of you. Number five is create a plan to meet those expectations. Think about stretch projects or reevaluating your schedule to ensure you can meet those deadlines. Number six is be proactive with seeking feedback. 
with your manager and outside of your manager. Number seven is no politics. Number eight is get you a champion. Number nine is no promotion. Now what? And so that is all uh, for promotion in the workplace. As always, we want to end with a quote. Uh, this week, we know exactly who it is from. It is from uh, Dr. Maya Angelou. Um, and she says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you've did but people will never forget how you've made them feel. Um, I think that applies to life uh, in and outside of the workplace. And so just think about like when you enter your workplace and when you're entering in uh, any environment, people won't always remember everything about you, but they will remember the feelings that you've given them. So that is it. Peace and love, everybody. Peace, peace. Till next time.